Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Global Storytime Podcast, where every two weeks I bring you a folktale from a different country or culture so that we can get to know that place better. I'm your host and storyteller, Diane Strand. This week, we're going to Canada, specifically to the Inuit and Koyukon Athabascan communities that are in northern Canada. I know this episode is being released on July 4th, which is the Independence Day for the United States. And happy 4th of July to all of you U.S. citizens out there who are listening. But I chose Canada this week because last month was Indigenous Peoples Month in Canada. And June 21st was Aboriginal Peoples Day, also in Canada. And of course, Aboriginal just means indigenous or a person or culture that is native to a land. Really, I should have done this episode two weeks ago instead of the episode featuring a Hungarian folktale, but the right story, or should I say stories, didn't come along until this last week. But you heard me right. This episode, I'm bringing you not one, but two stories from First Nation tribes who live in Canada. Coincidentally, both stories feature a feathered friend who saves the day. So all you bird lovers, this episode is for you. The first story, A Blind Boy and the Loon, comes from the Inuit who live in the far northern part of Canada. The Inuit is a name for the group of tribes that live near the Arctic Ocean in the Northwest Territories, the Nanavut Territory, and in the northern part of Newfoundland. They also live in the country of Greenland. The story features a young boy who is a great hunter and a stepmother who is characterized as lazy, but really, she's kind of evil. Why is the stepmother evil in every story? I don't know. And I question if this is a part of the original story or something that has been added in over years and years of retelling it across cultures. It's a mystery. But this story also features a loon, and I've got some loon facts for you. First off, a loon is a migratory bird that is the size of your average duck, and they like to live near water, and they spend part of their year in Canada. This is why there is a loon on the Canadian $1 coin, and why those coins are called loonies. Another loon fact is that they can dive up to 200 feet underwater. This is because their bones are solid, not hollow like other birds. This diving ability is a key part of our story. The second story, How the Raven Brought Back the Sun, is from the Koh-Yukon Athabascan tribe of the Yukon Territories in Canada, and they also live in Alaska. Similar to the Inuit, the Athabascan refers to a group of different tribes that share a language family and culture, and the Koh-Yukon refers to a specific tribe within that group. In this story, the sun, the moon, and the stars mysteriously disappear, and the people turn to the great raven to help them find the light. The raven is a key figure in many native tales in both Canada and the United States. The raven has been thought of as the bringer of light and life and good luck, and as a trickster. This makes sense to me because it has been proven that ravens are very, very smart. And they are good at imitating other birds and people and any other sound that they hear. And they use this imitating prowess to trick other birds out of food. In this story, our raven used a different type of imitation to trick humans. 
Okay, I think I've talked enough for the top of the show. Let's get into the stories. You know what to do. Grab a cup of tea or a stuffy or a blanket and get ready for our journey. Are you ready? Let's go. The Blind Boy and the Loon, a story from the Inuit. There once was a boy who was a great hunter. The storage platforms around the igloo he shared with his stepmother and his sister were always filled with meat. His little sister loved him very much. His stepmother, though, was lazy. She did not like doing all the work of cleaning and skinning out and preparing the meat from the animals he brought back. I must do something, she said to herself. So one night, when her stepson was sleeping, she took a piece of rotten well blubber and rubbed it on his eyes. Let him no longer be able to see, she whispered. Let him no longer be able to see. When the boy woke up the next morning, he was blind. Ah, his stepmother said, now I will have to take care of a blind child. Why is my life so hard? Because he was now blind, the boy could no longer hunt. Soon the meat on their storage platforms was all gone. All they had to eat were the hares and the ground squirrels that the little sister could catch with snares. The blind boy could not do anything but sit on his bed. His stepmother wanted to let him starve, but his little sister tried to take care of him. She brought food and water to him, but the stepmother only allowed her to give him dirty water and the toughest, smallest scraps of meat. One day, they heard something scratching on the wall of the igloo. What is that? asked the stepmother. Although he was blind, the boy still had the keen ears of a hunter. It is a hungry polar bear, he said. It is trying to break through the walls to eat us. Then he turned to his sister. Get me my bow and my straightest arrow, he said. His sister ran to get his bow. She chose the straightest arrow and placed the bow and arrow in her brother's hands. Now help me aim towards the place where the bear will break through. The sister did just as her brother asked. As the bear's paw broke through the igloo wall, the blind boy released his arrow. It went straight into the bear's heart, killing it. The sister and stepmother ran outside. There lay the dead bear. The stepmother grabbed the little sister by her arm and shook her. Do not tell your brother anything, she hissed. The stepmother went back to the igloo. You fool, she said to the blind boy. You missed it. Now we will not have bear meat to eat. Then she skinned the bear, keeping all the meat for herself. All that she gave the boy to eat were old scraps from a ground squirrel. The next day, while the stepmother was outside cooking bear meat for herself, the blind boy heard something. It was the calling of a loon. He spoke to his little sister. Take my hand and lead me down to the lake. The little sister did just as he said. At the edge of the water, a loon was waiting for them. My friend, the loon said, I have seen how badly your stepmother treats you, and I have taken pity on you. Climb onto my back and put your arms around my neck. With the help of his little sister, the blind boy did as the loon said. Now hold tight, the loon said. Then it dove to the bottom of the lake, taking the boy with it 
and then carrying him back to the surface again. Can you see anything? The loon asked. I can see a little light, the boy answered. We must dive again, the loon said. The loon dove down again and again with the boy. Finally, after the fourth time, his sight was as good as it had been before. He thanked the loon and then went back to their igloo with his sister. When he got there, he saw the meat from the bear he had shot hanging on the rocks outside. Do not tell stepmother that I can see, he told his little sister. When their stepmother returned to the igloo, the boy pretended that he still could not see. Stepmother, he said, I have an idea about how we can get meat. How is that? She said. You are blind. What can you do? I can hear Beluga Wells calling in the bay, he said. Lead me down there. I can harpoon one and you can pull it in. Good, the stepmother said to herself. He will get a whale for me and I will tell him that he is missed and keep the meat for myself. When they got to the bay, the boy handed his stepmother the end of the line that was connected to the harpoon. Tie this as tightly as you can around your wrist. Otherwise, we might lose the whale after I strike it. The stepmother did as he said, wrapping the line around her wrist three times and then knotting it tight. I can hear them, the boy said. Hold tight and do not let go. Then he threw his harpoon in front of the biggest of the whales. Grab it and pull, the boy called to the whale. The whale grabbed the harpoon in its mouth and pulled, dragging the stepmother into the water. Then the whale dove deep beneath the waves, taking the stepmother with it. The boy and his sister lived happily after that. As for the stepmother, she was never seen again. Some say that she turned into a whale herself. As a whale, she is no longer selfish, but now provides food for the people who hunt her. The end. the raven brought back the sun, a Koyakon Athabaskan story. In the time long ago, there was a village where many people lived. Everything was going well for them when suddenly it became dark. Daylight did not come. A long time passed and still it stayed dark. So the people went to the great raven. Grandfather, they said, why is it always dark? Someone has stolen the sun, Raven replied. What can we do? The people said. Can you help us? If you bring me lots of food, Raven said, I will help you. Raven always wants food. That is all he ever wants. So the people got together the last of their dried fish and berries for Raven. Raven ate it all and then started flying. Way off in the distance, it seemed that he could see a little daylight. He kept going that way, and at last he saw a village ahead of him. It was bright with daylight. The moon and the stars were there, too. Raven landed outside the village. He wrapped some rotted birch bark around his legs and broke off a branch from a spruce tree. He hit his legs with the spruce branch, and the birch bark turned into wolf fur boots. Then he took some grass and turned it into a parka. When he was all done, he looked like a handsome man, dressed in the finest clothing. Then he headed into the village of the people who had stolen the light. 
A stranger in fine clothes is coming, someone shouted. All the people rushed out to see Raven. Who are you? they asked. But Raven did not say anything because he knew his voice would give him away. Are you from nearby? someone asked. Raven just shook his head. Are you a good hunter? another person said. Raven nodded his head at that. One person was suspicious. Could this be the one with the scaly legs who always tricks people? he asked. Don't be foolish, everyone else said. This is a fine, good-looking man and a great hunter. We should be glad that he came to us. Raven looked around. He saw that the sun and the moon were being kept in the house of the village chief. He also saw that the chief had a daughter. Let her fall in love with me, Raven thought. Let her decide to marry me. As soon as he thought this, the chief's daughter came up to him. I will marry this man, she said to her father. I will bring him back to our house. Raven was so good-looking that her father had to agree. So Raven was brought into the house of the village chief. The sun was tied way up in the rafters of the house. It had rattles fastened to it so that it would make noise if anyone tried to get it down. Raven could not get it. The moon was tied tightly up there too. Raven tried to figure out a way to get the sun down from the rafters. Then he had an idea. My wife should have a child, he thought. That night he made a child out of spruce needles and placed it by his wife's side. When she woke up the next day, the baby was there. She did not know it was made of spruce needles. She thought it was her baby, as did all the others in the village. That is how strong Raven's power is. As soon as everyone was awake, the baby started to cry. It raised its arms up toward the sun and wailed. Louder and louder it cried. Nothing would make it stop crying. This was because Raven wanted it to keep crying. What does my grandchild want? The village chief asked Raven. Raven looked up toward the sun tied to the rafters. Ah, the chief said. He wants to play with his grandfather's son. So he untied the sun from the rafters and brought it down. Now Raven had to get the people out of the house. Let the dog steal the salmon from the drying racks outside, Raven thought. As soon as he thought this, someone shouted from outside that the dogs were stealing the salmon. Everyone ran outside except for Raven and the baby. Raven touched the baby and turned it back into spruce needles. Then he threw the sun out through the smoke hole. Light began to spread all over the world. The moon was still tied up there, so Raven began to tear pieces off of it and throw them through the smoke hole too. Each piece became one of the months of the year, and he yelled its name as he threw it out. Month when the eagles mate, Raven squawked as he threw out a piece of the moon. Month when it thaws and freezes again. Outside the house, the chief and the others saw the light in the sky. They saw the pieces of the moon being thrown out through the smoke hole and heard Raven squawking the names of the months. Oh no! The chief shouted. That sounds like the voice of the scaly-legged old thing from downriver. He ran inside and grabbed Raven, but Raven flew up through the smoke hole and got away. Now that the sun was back in the sky, light was spreading all over the world. Grandfather Raven has made it bright again, everyone shouted. All the people and animals were happy. Great Raven saved the people. And so, to this day, the sun remains in the sky and no person owns it. The end.
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our two stories, A Blind Boy and a Loon, and How the Raven Brought the Sun Back. I loved the details of the first story of the polar bear and the igloo and the beluga whales that really helped set the scene for the story. And I liked the sister who helped her brother as much as she could under the watchful eye of that awful stepmother. What was interesting to me about How the Raven Brought the Sun Back is that I've read a version of the story before from the Salish tribes that live in Washington state. In that version, the raven turns himself into a spruce needle that the chief's daughter accidentally drinks when she's getting water at the river. The raven spruce needle turns into a baby inside the girl and is born as a human. The raven baby cries and cries until the chief gives him the sun to play with. And then the raven reveals his true form and flies off with the sun. So pretty similar to the story I just told you, but with a different twist. Before I go, I want to again wish everyone a happy 4th of July and plug some of my past episodes that have featured stories from the U.S. Episode 6, Basket Lady Swing and Beaver and Echo, tells two tales from the Tulalip native tribe that lives just outside of Seattle. And those stories are told by Tulalip storytellers in both English and Lushootseed, which is the language of the Tulalip people. The other episode, or rather episodes, are episode 12A, The Lion and the Well, and episode 12B, Let's Learn About the Gullah Geechee, where we hear a story and learn all about the Gullah Geechee community that was created and thrived in the American Southeast. That is it for this episode. If you want to learn more about the Inuit or the Koyukon, their history, culture, and more, make sure you listen to this week's upcoming informational episode. And I say upcoming because I'm going to be transparent with you all. I just started grad school, which is so, so exciting. Uh, But the work is starting to pile up. And I don't quite have the same amount of time to dedicate to podcasting. Um, But it's coming because I think this information is so important and I love sharing it with you. So stay tuned. It's coming. But that episode will be called 21B. Let's learn about the Inuit and the Koyukon. You can also follow this podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Global Storytime Podcast, where I post maps, photos, and suggestions for additional stories from each country or culture that I feature. Tell me what you think of the show by sending me a note to globalstorytimepodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host and storyteller, Diane Strand. Next time, we're going to Saudi Arabia, I believe. I'm still vetting stories and trying to find just the right one to share with you, but I'm pretty sure that's where we're headed. Until then, bye! Bye!